Welcome to the Benzo Free Podcast, your home for an honest, straightforward, and personal discussion about anti-anxiety drugs, their effects, and how to deal with dependence and withdrawal. Whether you have taken benzodiazepines, Z drugs, or any other tranquilizers, know someone who has, or you just want help dealing with chronic anxiety and insomnia, this is your podcast. I'm your host, D.E. Foster, author of the book, Benzo Free, The World of Anti-Anxiety Drugs and the Reality of Withdrawal. I'm so glad you joined us today. Please stick around and let me bend your ear for a few minutes. It just might feel a little better on the other side. So, how you doing? <laughs> you know, as I talk here into the microphone, I sometimes wonder where the listeners are when they are listening. No, not in some creepy stalker kind of way. Get get your mind out of the gutter. I mean, how are you doing in your dependence and withdrawal? How are you doing day by day? Or, or if you're a caregiver, how are you holding up? I mean... Are you taking a nice, calm walk with your earbuds in, enjoying the beauty around you, relaxed, peaceful, some gorgeous waterfall and mountain setting? Yeah, I, I didn't think so. Um, that's how I want to picture it, <laughs> but it's just not realistic. Instead, are you driving in your car on the way to your daughter's basketball game before your son has to be at his recital 15 minutes later across town and desperately struggling to manage the anxiety and symptoms which are building in your gut? Or, or are you on your lunch break at work, taking a break from the stress, eating your leftover breakfast burrito which you ordered because your colleague wanted to go to that place again that she loves so? And you went and even ordered something, not because you were hungry, but because you were happy to have the company. Because your friend is one of the few people who will still listen to you share about your symptoms. Or are you listening to this all by yourself, curled up in a ball in bed, praying tomorrow will be a better day? Or are you that person's caregiver, trying desperately to figure out how to make your loved one feel just a little better and yet secretly hopeless that it will never come to an end? I, I don't know where you are, but, but I do want to tell you this. You're, you're not alone. You're really not alone. We're here. You know, the, the ones that went through what you're going through and came out the other side? And, and we know you are going to make it. You're doing great. In fact, you're doing the best you can. I know you are. Keep it up. It does get better. It does. It really does. I wish to hell I had the magic words to make you see that to know that, to feel that, and believe it. I just don't know what those words are. But just remember, you're not alone. We're here, and we're here to help you. So reach out, let us know how you're doing, and just take care of yourself. So so anyway, um, let me shift, shift our mood a little bit here. <laughs> Got off on a little bit of a tangent. Well, uh, we got some more snow again this weekend here in the front range of Colorado, USA, and it's been cold, bitter cold. 
We were negative six, I think, on Sunday morning when I, I took Bear out for a walk, my dog Bear. Not, not sure what the wind chill was, but I'm sure it was colder than negative six. Bear was lifting his paws <laughs> periodically, so we had to keep things pretty short. I, you know, I have to admit that walking Bear has been a godsend for my, my recovery. He gets two walks a day and won't let us skip one. It, it, you know, it gets me out of the house, even when I really, really don't want to. But I'm grateful to him, and I'm grateful for anybody or any animal or any pet or any person who helps to motivate me to keep going, to get me out of the house. I mentioned U.S. a lot in here because that's where I am at, but I want to make sure everybody remembers that this is a global podcast. Benzodependence is a worldwide issue, and this podcast is a worldwide resource. That's really what it's intended to be, and I'm going to do my best to, to keep going in that direction. And on that note, I want to keep getting more news and stories from around the globe. If you have something to share, please let me know. You see, I've been so busy with the launch of the podcast lately that I never looked at the statistics. My podcast hosting site comes with these very user-friendly reports, which tell me who's listening and where. No, I, I don't know your address, email, or phone number, but I can tell total listeners by day, mobile device, or device you're listening on, and, and even by country. Anyway, when I took a glance at the statistics the other day, I was pleasantly surprised. While our largest number of listeners are currently in the U.S., Canada, and the U.K., we also have listeners from Switzerland, France, Finland, Norway, Netherlands, Ireland, Bulgaria, Australia, New Zealand, Brazil, Portugal, even Qatar. That's pretty cool. I, it's hard for me to kind of fathom that people around the world have listened to this podcast and, and hopefully might continue listening. I just got to say thank you to people around the world. Thank you. And then while I was there looking at these reports, I also looked at the total episodes. And this one, I thought was, this one made me smile. We have had over 600 episode downloads in the first two weeks. That's pretty cool. For those of you who have told others about this podcast, thank you. Word of mouth is the best advertising I can ask for. And I really appreciate you spreading the word. But my takeaway is even more than that. I think what this shows is the need. The need is huge. There are thousands of people on long-term benzos are in withdrawal, and even more who are taking care of someone like that. And you need information. You want connections. You want, you want support. So from the bottom of my heart, thanks to everyone around the world for listening to this podcast. You made my recovery a little bit easier. And I hope I can do the same for you. In today's episode, we will follow our usual format. Open with our intro, which we just did. Uh, take a look in our mailbag for a question or two. Listen to a Benzo story from California today. And then on to our feature. Um, today, we're going to dive into common symptoms of Benzo withdrawal. We're going to dive into the shallow end, though, <laughs> where it's going to be a very high-level list of common symptoms. And then over coming episodes, over probably several months, we will dive into specific ones in more detail. And two real quick things before we get to our mailbag. First off, we need feedback. So please either comment on this episode, or even better, visit our feedback form at benzofree.org feedback. 
questions, comments, changes, you name it, I want to hear it. And if you want to record something in your own voice, that's awesome too. There's instructions on that forum of how to send those to us. And don't forget to sign up for our mailing list at benzofree.org slash subscribe. We won't inundate your inbox, I promise, but we will send you a weekly newsletter and let you know when the next podcast episode is available. This forum is GDPR compliant, so if you're in Europe, we're already set up for that. And of course, you can unsubscribe at any time you like. No pressure at all. And one last quick thing, please remember that the Benzo Free Podcast is for informational purposes only and should never be considered medical advice. The views and opinions expressed by our listeners and interview guests on this podcast, whether read from textual submissions or presented in their own voice, do not necessarily reflect those of the Benzo Free Podcast or of its host. Okay, well, let's move on. And that brings us to our mailbag section. This one comes from Catherine in the United Kingdom. She asks, I wondered what your thoughts are about different healing patterns. Also, what about PTSD? So let's take this in two parts. Um, the first part here, what Catherine is referring to regarding healing patterns are the waves and windows we all go through. Most of you know these terms, but if you're not familiar with them, windows are basically when you start feeling better, less symptoms, and waves are when you feel worse, more symptoms. A lot of people going through benzo withdrawal syndrome go through a roller coaster effect. Now, the thing I got to remind everybody, and I remind people of this all the time in the book and on the podcast, is that everybody's different. We all are looking for the rules, <laughs> the rules of benzo withdrawal. What's, what is going to happen to me? What can I expect? But everybody's different. Some people have ways and windows. Some people don't. Um, Catherine's experience right now is that she's not going through the waves. It's more continuous, more consistent, especially in a protracted state. And, you know, I found that too when I know other people in protracted withdrawal who have found more of a consistent lingering of some of the symptoms as they are healing. And I think this is quite common also. So just keep in mind as you hear about different patterns and such, just remember everybody's different and don't feel like you have to place yourself in this, you know, box of, of how things are going to happen because it's not going to be that way. You're going to experience things on your body's own schedule. It's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. And the second part of her question was regarding PTSD. PTSD stands for post-traumatic stress disorder. Here, here's the definition from the American Psychiatric Association or the APA. They say, quote, post-traumatic stress disorder is a psychiatric disorder that can occur in people who have experienced or witnessed a traumatic event such as a natural disaster, a serious accident, a terrorist act, war, combat, rape, or other violent personal assault, end quote. PTSD actually originated with men who had suffered severe lingering psychological difficulties after traumatic experiences during war. And in World War I, it was called shell shock. In World War II, it was called combat fatigue. And now it's called PTSD. In more recent times, the definition has broadened to include many different types of causes. Now, if, if the question is, does benzodiazepine withdrawal syndrome or BWS cause PTSD? I'd say yes. But there are semantics in play here. I mean, according to the definition by the APA, is BWS a violent personal assault? Perhaps I'm being a bit cerebral here. So let me, let me back up. Catherine actually asked for my opinion. So here it is. I don't think it matters if one of the effects is officially labeled PTSD or not, or if PTSD is a symptom of BWS. Personally, 
personally, I think what we have gone through is one of the worst experiences a human can go through. But does it cause PTSD or is PTSD a byproduct? I would think so. It, it seems that way. And that is on top of all the physical damage to our central nervous system we're also dealing with, which can last years. Honestly, Benzo withdrawal syndrome is a car accident on top of brain damage tied with financial disaster with some PTSD thrown on top for good measure. But as you know, I'm not a medical professional, so I'll leave it up to the AP and other organizations to officially define that one. But please don't think I'm selling PTSD short <laughs> either because I, I know people who have and are going through PTSD, including people in my own family. And it is a very serious, severe, debilitating condition. No more so or no less, though, than BWS. This is not a competition here. All we want, as those of us who have suffered from benzodiazepine withdrawal syndrome, is for our condition to be taken seriously. And that's going to close it out for our mailbag. Again, thanks to Catherine for her question. And don't forget to send us your questions, comments, so we can share them with others. And now let's move on to Benzo News. First story I'd like to cover here is an in-house one, one about BenzoFree. Just wanted to let you know that there's been a few web updates to our website. Uh, several of these changes include making it more visually appealing for mobile devices. I'm hoping that helps. In addition, I just spent a couple of days creating a new resources section on the website. It, it now has its own menu category. It's more graphically appealing, I hope better categorized and more user-friendly than before. The, the categories now listed under the resources section include suicide prevention, benzo information sites, benzo discussion groups, and film and media. I'm still adding new links and will continue to update it monthly. If you know of any site you would like to add to the list, please let me know on our feedback form. The podcast is driving more people to the website, and I want to make sure it's as functional and, and user-friendly as it can be. Our second item is actually a new film about benzos that's hopefully going to be coming out soon. I just shared this on our Facebook page, but I wanted to also mention it here. Um, in case you're curious, our Facebook page is at facebook.com slash benzofree. A veteran filmmaker named Holly Hardman is currently in post-production on her documentary film titled As Prescribed. You can learn more about her website at asprescribedfilm.com, and there is a link to it on our show notes. She is still fundraising for the film, so if you'd like to donate a few bucks her way, I'm sure she would appreciate it. You can find a donation link on her website, too. Please, check it out. And the third item in Benzo News is regarding an article that I posted also on our Facebook page. I shared this article on flumazenil um, there, and it brought up some interesting topics, and I just wanted to um, address that real briefly. One of the takeaways of this article that got my attention was the, was the author's attitude towards benzos. Now, this article was written by a doctor, and I realized that he was focused on short-term benzo use in emergency or medical procedure settings. But still, his praise for these drugs was hard to hear for you know, those of us who have seen the dark side of their effects. I, I come across a lot of articles um, daily because I'm always looking for new content to share on our Facebook page, on our website and such. And, and in so many of them, I feel like we're still not talking about the elephant in the room. Most of these articles, you know, focus on overdose deaths, especially in combination with opioids, but they don't explore the real world of dependence and withdrawal. It would be nice if we had some professionally developed benzo white papers or, or one sheets 
You know, something with verifiable references from government, medical professionals, associations, and other organization leaders. Something that doctors and journalists will take seriously. Ones which clearly state the dangers of long-term benzo use and proper withdrawal techniques. I mean, wouldn't it be great to have a one piece of paper you can take to your doctor with irrefutable, professional, verifiable facts, something that's not over the top, but clear, you know, concise and straightforward, one that highlights the principles of proper withdrawal methodology with references to the Ashton Manual? I often used a few pages from the Ashton Manual or even the letter that was written by Dr. Alan Francis to help educate medical professionals during my withdrawal, and they helped. But it would be nice to have a collection of solid, useful resources that's just available to everybody that can be easily found. I've come across a few attempts at this during my research on the book, but I haven't seen one yet that I would universally recommend or, or ones that I really feel, you know, answers this call. Perhaps one of the Benzo support groups has already produced one. It very well might be so. I wouldn't be surprised. I haven't really looked for this in depth, so I'm hoping there's one out there. I, I know many sites have all sorts of facts and sheets, but I just haven't seen this type of a document yet. If if someone knows of one of these, please let me know. I, I'm not looking to recreate the wheel here. I'd, I'd be happy to use what exists. And now for Benzo stories. Uh, before I get too deep into this story, I, I realize that for some of us, these stories are hard to hear. If these are a trigger for you, I am truly sorry. I, I hope some people will start sending in more success stories like today's story because I think that creates a balance for us. But I still want to hear all stories, the ones in the middle of it and the thick of it, and the ones afterwards when you've had success. I believe these stories, whether by someone just starting out in the middle of withdrawal or living a new life on the other side, help us all feel more connected and understood. Our story today comes from Inglewood, California. One of the one of the things that I really enjoyed about these stories is that I get to see where everyone's from. And it's kind of funny because if I know of the place, then it creates some memories for me. Or if I don't, then I, I go look it up. I pull up, you know, Google Earth or Maps or something and try to learn a few things about that location. With Inglewood, uh, it's no stranger to me. I was in the film industry for about 15 years and traveled quite often to L.A. I would often stay near LAX or Marina Del Rey, and I, I had meetings and events in and around West Hollywood, and I would stay near the airport most of the time. Inglewood, of course, is best known for the Forum, um, an, a, a pretty amazing and classic venue. It, it's also the future home of the Clippers. But for me personally, I remember it for its local cuisine. Yes, I would frequently travel from my airport hotel down West Century Boulevard to one of my favorite fine dining restaurants, the classic In-N-Out Burger. <laughs> yes, that's what I call fine dining in California. But we don't have them out here in Colorado. So when I was in town, I usually had to make at least one stop to In-N-Out. And Inglewood was where I usually wound up going. So thanks for that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to lighten the mood a bit. Let's get on to our Benzo story. So this story is from Lynn. Thank you, Lynn, for sharing your experience. Um, all I can say is each time that somebody submits a story and allows me to read it, I thank you for your confidence and your faith that I will do my best to do it justice. So thank you, Lynn. I appreciate that you shared your story with me and with our listeners. Lynn says the following, quote, 
Today was the first time I came across your podcast, and I want to tell you how impressed I am. I would like to tell you my story of recovery, and I encourage you to use it. I was prescribed a benzo, clonopin, for anxiety and depression in 2009 by a nurse practitioner in a small community clinic. The nurse gave me no information or warnings, and since I was not familiar with prescription drugs at all, I took it based on the fact that it was prescribed for me by an expert. I rarely even had pain relievers in my medicine cabinet, let alone a prescribed drug. So, my journey began, and I was just a clueless rider in the back of the bus. So many things started to go wrong with my physical condition, it was alarming. But I never thought the drug could be causing my problems. I was told by one doctor I had a thyroid condition, and he gave me two prescriptions to help. So now I'm taking three different drugs and I develop more problems. Insomnia, pain everywhere, bad body smell, sensitivity to smells, light, and sound, and a lot of crying for no reason at all. My life fell apart and I lost my job and couldn't return to work. No one knew what was wrong with me and so I started seeing more specialists who all put me on different medications. Thirteen in total before I almost lost my life to them. As I started joining support groups on Facebook, I started learning about all the things that were wrong with me and what could be causing them, and I started to make changes in my life as I learned. One of the first things I learned was about what is called leaky gut and how the toxins that get in our body by way of our leaking guts puts our health at risk in multiple ways, but especially through our immune system. After changing literally everything about my life, and I mean by getting rid of all toxins from life, whether it was my food, my water, perfume, soaps, hygiene products, etc., I started to feel better. Next was tackling the prescription drugs, and I was able to get off all but the benzo, clonopin. I tried to get off the benzos at one point, but I didn't know how, and so I failed. And when I went back to it, I even had a doctor increase the dose because I truly thought I needed it. So then I was taking 1.5 milligrams a day. At one point, I tried to overdose on them because I was so miserable. I didn't see how I could make it any further through life. After a year and a half on benzo support pages, I decided I could stop by tapering over an extended period of time. The doctor that was prescribing them to me listened to me because I brought a two-page testimony of a doctor who had been on a benzo and went through the horrors and talked about the importance of tapering. My doctor took the time to read it quickly while in the room with me because it was so short and concise. I truly believe if I hadn't brought the testimony, he wouldn't have been so willing to work with me on a taper program. After a short discussion, we agreed to a six-month taper. He, he wouldn't go any farther. And I was happy that he even agreed to a six-month time period. I also knew that I had enough extra pills to taper myself if six months weren't long enough. It took me seven months in total, and I was successful. The first two weeks of each taper were the hardest, and the second two weeks not so bad as my body adjusted to the new dose. I broke my pills into very precise pieces because I couldn't afford to have a pharmacy titrate for me. I took my dose, no matter how small, at the same time every day. And at the end, I was literally taking three tiny crumbs each day that you could barely see. It worked, and I've been off of them now for nine months, and life is good. 
I, I have a few symptoms occasionally like twitching muscles, but overall, I feel normal now. I also take a great deal of supplements and keep my body detoxed as much as possible, and I believe this has been a huge help in recovery. She also shares that she didn't exercise much or do anything strenuous. She kept a simple and calm routine each day, and it was very beneficial to her. Lynn closes by saying, People who cannot find a peaceful setting will have a harder time withdrawing. Thanks for allowing me to share my story. Have a great day. End quote. Now, thank you, Lynn, for sharing with us today. I am really grateful and for and for sharing your story and your success story with others. This has been great, and I really appreciate it. Thank you. And that brings us to our feature. In today's episode, we're going to provide a very brief introduction to withdrawal symptoms. This is definitely a topic which will take more more time than one episode by far. It may take several episodes, and we'll spread that over the coming months or so. But for today, I just want to highlight the various common symptoms so, so we know what they are. The book goes into a lot more depth on each of these, so please check it out if you want to learn more. And before we get too far, I do want to remind you that this is a long list of symptoms. No one gets all these symptoms mentioned here, not even close. Remember that many people can withdraw without any severe complications at all. So this is just a list of possible symptoms. Just please keep that in mind. You know, if I had to pick just one word which would summarize all the common symptoms of benzo withdrawal, I think I know what that one word would be. And that would be hypersensitivity. You know, those of us in benzo withdrawal just feel more. We feel more pain, more agitation, more restlessness, emotion, aches, spasms, anxiety, more depression, more hopelessness. Benzo dependence has caused our central nervous systems to become hypersensitive and overreactive to everything, to everyday stuff. You know, imagine drinking a cup of coffee, but acting like you drank five or ten. Or or you wanted to go to the grocery store and go shopping, which most people can do any day of the week, but you can't do it. Your anxiety, your symptoms, all this crap that's going on are just too much to bear. It's too much. You can't handle it. Or imagine being dog-tired in front of the TV. You're just starting to kind of get comfortable, and you're starting to get relaxed, but your body is saying, hell no. Sounds fun, right? <laughs> and, and the sensitivity is just a tip of the iceberg. Add depersonalization, memory and cognitive dysfunction, muscle tightness and spasms, heart palpitations, f- phantom nerve sensations, and, and chronic gastrointestinal distress, which is one of our favorites. <laughs> You know, one question that I receive probably more than almost any, especially from people that are still, you know, in the thick of it, in the middle of withdrawal is, are you better? Are you healed? Are you 100%? You know, what they're really asking is, are, what if these symptoms are permanent? You know, as I discussed early, it's possible. I wish I could say otherwise, but it's, it's possible. It's also really unlikely. Thousands of people have gone down this path before you. And by far, the majority have said that they have fully healed, eventually. The biggest complaint was how long it took. I still have symptoms, but I am doing so much better than I was. In fact, much of that improvement has happened 
in, in just the last six months or year or year and a half. And, and wouldn't it make sense if that trend would continue? Especially when most people tell me that it will. I am so much better than I was. And I have a strong feeling a year or two years from now, I'm going to be so much better than I am now. I'm getting better. Professor Ashton says, quote, All the evidence shows that a steady decline in symptoms almost invariably continues after withdrawal. Though it can take a long time, even several years in some cases, end quote. So, you know, when you freak out that your belly, memory, skin condition, or muscles will never return to normal, just hold up a minute. T take a break and tell yourself that the odds are significantly in your favor that you will heal. I can't promise you that you won't have permanent damage. I can't. I promised I would be honest in this podcast, and I'm going to be. If I'm going to help at all, you need to trust me. And if I lie to you, you'll never trust me. I'm going to be honest. But you know what? I also can't guarantee you won't be hit by a bus tomorrow or a comet won't come down from the sky and wipe out the town. I can't guarantee any of these things. As you start to heal, focus on how far you have come from your worst days. Remember that and know that this trend will continue even if it takes a long while. Let's touch on some of these symptoms. I'm going to really go over just high level in each group what these symptoms are and what the more common ones are. And like I said, we will talk more about these in the coming episodes. Psychological symptoms. We'll start with this one. The most common psychological symptoms include the following. And we've grouped these into seven different categories. For the first category is anxiety. And this includes general anxiety, hypochondria, panic attacks, paranoid thoughts, and phobias. The second category is behavioral, and that includes anger. <laughs> I know that one. <laughs> That's a recent one for me. Irritability, aggression, depression, obsession, suicidal thoughts. The third category is cognitive, and that includes cognitive dysfunction, memory dysfunction, intrusive memories. And then excitability, and that includes acesthesia, one of my favorites, the jumpiness, restlessness, and restless legs. The perception category includes depersonalization, derealization, hallucinations, misperceptions, perceptual distortions. And the last two is sleeping, which we most of us know that one. Insomnia is pervasive for many people in Benza withdrawal, but also nightmares are a big factor. And the seventh category is social, things like agoraphobia, social phobias, all these different social difficulties in life. And those are the seven categories we have for psychological symptoms. Let's take a look at the physical ones now too. In this one, we also have seven categories. And the first one, the first category is abdominal and gastrointestinal. This is a long list, so bear with me for a second. It includes abdominal pain, appetite change, benzo belly, constipation, diarrhea, distension, inflammation, nausea, groan pain, pelvic floor dysfunction, urinary difficulties, vomiting, and weight change. Next category is eyes, ears, nose, and mouth. And this includes blurred vision, double vision, difficulty swallowing, dry mouth, metallic taste, oral thrush, sore eyes, dry eyes, sound and light sensitivity, tinnitus, and unusual smell. For the head and neck category, we have balance issues, dizziness, lightheadedness, headache, neck pain, slurred speech, and throat tightening. Under heart and lungs, there's flushing, sweating, heart palpitations, and overbreathing. 
In the muscular category, this is a big one, too. There's aches and pains, electric shocks, fatigue, sprains, pulls, tears, stiffness, tremors, twitches, jerks, ticks, weakness, convulsions, paralysis, and even seizures. And then there's nerve sensations, which includes altered sensations, hypersensitivity, numbness, paresthesia, skin rashes, itching, and tingling. And then we close out with immune and endocrine, which includes increased infections, breast swelling, and menstrual difficulties. After reciting that parade of possible symptoms, I, I get why some people think we're making this up. It sounds ridiculous that one little pill could cause this much damage to the human body. But we're not making it up. These symptoms actually make sense. Long-term benzodiazepine use affects the central nervous system, so it would make sense that symptoms of withdrawal would be related to the central nervous system, right? Here's the thing, though. The central nervous system, which includes the brain and spinal cord, is connected to everything. It's the thought processing and messaging highway for the entire body. So if it's damaged, it would be logical that parts of the body that it connects to might also be affected. And that's a lot of possible symptoms. In an article way back in 1983, wow, I was, I was in high school then, in the Journal of the Royal College of General Practitioners, which is now published under the name the British Journal of General Practice, Shirley Trickett, a registered nurse and author, said the following. She says, quote, Thousands of people could not possibly invent the bizarre symptoms caused by the therapeutic use of benzodiazepines and reactions to their withdrawal. Many users have to cope not only with a frightening range of symptoms, but also with the disbelief and hostility of their doctors and families, end quote. Those of us who have gone through benzodiazepine withdrawal have neurological damage. And anyone who has experienced neurological damage knows that it affects every aspect of our bodies and our lives. Now, we are going to dive deeper into this topic over the coming months and over several episodes, so please keep a lookout for those. But in the meantime, I need your help. Please send me any comments, questions, or stories about your symptoms, especially specific symptoms. I, I can easily speak from my own experience, but I'd rather share yours. Let me know what your struggles were, what helped you get through it, how long they lasted. Pick one or two key symptoms which you can share. Go to our feedback form at benzofree.org slash feedback and check the permissions button so I can share it on the podcast. I'll only use your first name and city, region, country for reference, but if you prefer to remain anonymous, just don't fill out the name or location fields. Thanks for all the feedback, and we'll return to the exciting topic of benzo symptoms soon. And now, of course, before we get to our closing, let me pause for one second for our short disclaimer. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered medical advice in any way. The host of this podcast is not a medical professional, nor is he engaged in rendering medical, health, or psychological advice, nor any other kind of personal or professional services. Withdrawal, tapering, or any change in dosage of benzodiazepines, non-benzodiazepines, theanodiazepines, or any other prescription drug should only be done under the direct supervision of a licensed physician. Our full disclaimer can be viewed on our website at benzofree.org disclaimer. And that wraps things up. Our next episode is episode 9, and it will be released next Wednesday. Thank you again for joining me today. I really appreciate it. And please, let me know how we did. Keep calm, taper slowly, and just take care of yourself. You're going to get through this. I'll see you next time.